Welcome to the Collective Voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast. A few weeks ago, I traveled to Germany via Iceland. Every stop of the way, I was asked to show my papers. Government agents, uh, airlines, which included proof of vaccination and often proof of a negative test. When I got to Germany, I discovered that everyone in the European Union had a green certificate with a QR code on their phone, which you flash to get into restaurants and museums and just about anywhere indoors. So I pulled out my clumsy vaccine card, which you may have noticed does not fit nicely into a wallet. What I needed was some way to digitalize my vaccine card. So it is timely that today we have Joseph Gonzalez, co-founder of CLX Health, to talk with us today about vaccine passports and about CLX Health, which allows consumers to upload the paper vaccine cards and convert them to digital credentials. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Collective Voice of Health IT, a weedy podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Albright. My day job is Chief Legislative Affairs Officer for Zealous Payments, Z-E-L-I-S. Zealous's mission is to enable providers to simplify and save on their payments and claims. I also serve as the Communication Committee Chair for Weedy. That's W-E-D-I. Weedy is a national membership organization where the health information technology community connects, collaborates, and creates solutions for a better health system. So let me tell you a bit about our guest. Joseph Gonzalez is co-founder of CLX Health. He previously co-founded Imedia, a Puerto Rico-based healthcare clearinghouse. And over his 20-year career, Joseph has been professionally active in the industry by holding leadership roles with standard development organizations. He served as board chair of the Cooperative Exchange, vice chairman on the NCPDP. Joseph has also served in various positions within X12, Weedy, CAQH Core, ENAC, and has been a featured speaker featured speaker on many administrative simplification events. Joseph Gonzalez, so very glad to have you here on The Collective Voice. Hey, Matthew. Good to be here. Good, good. So let's start, uh, Joseph, uh, just with your story. So um, how uh, how did you come to create a clearinghouse uh, in Puerto Rico? Well, uh, back in 2002, I was uh, I happened to be working on a financial services project in Puerto Rico and met uh, uh, you know the two gentlemen, uh, Jose Angeles and uh, Severiano Lopez, who uh, ultimately became my business partners, who had just founded Inmediata. Uh, joined them um, as part of their leadership team, and uh, we, you know, that was sort of the beginning, right? We were we were you know four or five people that uh, that started a clearinghouse from from nothing, <laughs> if you will, and we're fortunate enough to be uh, in a region like Puerto Rico where we didn't have a lot of uh, outside organizations coming in to try to build uh, build a network of providers. And Puerto Rico is interesting for us. You know, it's a, it's a you know, back then it was four and a half million people. Um, so if you were to look at it uh, from a population density perspective, it's, you know, it would be the 24th or 25th state by population. Um, bilingual uh, with a, a, you know, but also 40 miles uh, wide by 100 miles long. So extremely dense in certain pockets, rural in others. Uh, it was a it was a microcosm of what any technology company would would find working in the United States. And, 
And, you know, we were dealing with 13,000 at the time, 13,000 providers that had everything from, you know, Windows 98 uh, to, uh, you know, Microsoft 2000 or XP back in, you know, the early 2000s. So we were, um, it was an education uh, or a PhD in, in interoperability uh, from different systems, uh, tying those together. Uh, and then in the very early days of HIPAA 4010 evolving to 5010, ICD-9 evolving to ICD-10 and all the other nuances uh, of the evolution of HIPAA that we all went through. And we were living in a bubble, so it allowed us to to grab market share and and you know experiment uh, and ultimately be successful um, you know as we expanded outside of uh, that market. So yeah, it was uh, it was a it was a fun tremendous experience. Terrific, terrific. And it sounds like you were you know during that uh, decade and a half you 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 know hit all the high points of uh, starting with the original HIPAA, moving to 5010, ICD-10, uh, moving through Affordable Care Act, and then you came to uh, co-found CLX Health. Uh, so tell us a little bit about that. And, and I think, you know, you and I were talking before the show. Uh, I think what's impressive about the story of CLX Health is how um, they had a set of, set of tools. They had a business going uh, before the pandemic, but then the pandemic came and they, they really saw the opportunity uh, and how they could be of help uh, with the resources they had. So go ahead. Yeah, yeah. so CLX Health was born, um, my partner Glenn Field and I, um, Glenn had a uh, a you know, his company SiriusIQ is a cloud, uh, born in the cloud, Microsoft incubated organization. And and when him and I met five years ago, we, we discussed what, you know, how clinical information uh, should be managed in the cloud. And we were already doing, uh, you know, um, ecosystem, clinical ecosystem type of uh, transaction management, right? We were moving uh, CCDs, lab data, lab orders, results, uh, and other types of information in HL7. But it was very, you know, again, the traditional data center model. But as we, as we sat there and go, okay, well, this is not like any, like any, anything. Just taking my clearinghouse hat, uh, putting my clear clearinghouse hat on. It was difficult for us uh, to scale back then in a data center model because, you know, anything can happen in a data center and you'd always have to order, you know, rack servers and all this other things sort of plan ahead. But in a cloud model, it's basically a flip of the switch, right, based on your your needs and capacity. So it was something that Glenn and I had talked about uh, really building out uh, our legacy application uh, which it was CLX Health, um, or at least moving, you know, creating this core business of CLX Health in the cloud. Um, but then the pandemic hits, right? We had, you know, the good news of what we were doing was we were, you know, connecting laboratories and providers um, and partnered with, you know, uh, you know, organizations, uh, larger, you know, clearinghouses around the country to make that functionality available and service. Uh, their payer customers with clinical data so they can do their HEDIS and STAR measure uh, 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 documentation along with uh, their care coordination initiatives to make sure that they had the right data uh, and be able to manage their members accordingly. You know, then the pandemic hits and we and we had a conversation, um, you know, early part of March that that we basically said, okay, here it comes. Everything that we had built ahead of time needs to be repurposed because we have a new stakeholder. That new stakeholder became the consumer. So we are 
in this space where the consumer really never had the power they have that that COVID has given them. You know, COVID created an opportunity uh, that now the consumer needs to be doing two things. they, they need to be engaged by picking um, a lab provider because they need information um, and they need to be validated. And we have to make sure that as we distribute data, we're distributing and validating it with the right organizations, right? So if it's a physician that needs to know that someone's tested positive, if it's an employer that needs to know that someone's tested positive, the consumer certainly needs to know. Um, and how do we manage that and, and tie that back? So we, we actually, um, we had a relationship with TransUnion Healthcare, you know, uh, and uh, our, our shout out to them who have been just amazing partners to us from the beginning. And they were key in giving us the ability to validate the consumer. You know, TransUnion has billions of, of consumers in their database and in their healthcare business unit. Uh, is able to, working with their IT vision group, we were able to create the consumer in our application, validate their identity. We didn't want someone to say, hey, I'm Joe Gonzalez, and we know how many hundreds of Joe Gonzalez's there are out in the in the space, making sure that we're tying that consumer to the right information, uh, generating a lab order, creating that result, uh, or getting that result back from the laboratory and, and distribution-wise, giving it to all of the stakeholders that the consumer has authorized us to engage. So really it's this for us pivoting, but pivoting in a way where we've engaged the consumer and weaponized their ability to manage their healthcare information, which I don't think has really happened before uh, at this uh, at this level. I love it. I love it. And I, I love the idea of not just the business pivoting when it sees something, uh, what, what could have been a disaster for many businesses, but also like the whole concept of thinking about healthcare through the eyes of the consumer and what does the consumer need and what's the, you know, we're always thinking about processes with administrative uh, transactions. Uh, so often the consumer's left out, but you thought through the process and the workflow. I think, I think that's fabulous. So tell us a little bit about, um, I mean, let's start with the whole idea of a, a vaccine passport. Right. Um, I know that's a term that's, you know, it's, it's uh, illegal in some states to have a vaccine passport. What, what would you call um, this thing that we have on the phone, you know, we've, we've, so we just for the benefit, I think of, of, you know, logic, what we've always tried to do at CLX, um, we create a platform called trust assure. So the trust assure platform is several ecosystems tied into one. So one is the ecosystem I described. You have a consumer who, who, uh, requires a test for different use cases and, uh, you know, whether it be travel like you experienced or um, back to work or maybe a live event. You know, we see uh, vendors, uh, ticketing vendors that are asking for tests to attend the live event. So creating this really agnostic platform, which comes from our clearinghouse experience, right? Something that anybody can tap into and use, uh, validate who they are and then be able to engage them and create almost a marketplace of testing vendors. Hey, I need an antigen test or I need a PCR test, really depending on what I need to do. Getting them in that ecosystem, so that's, that's you know, to be able to manage to get their results, to get tested, get their results, and be able to distribute that, like I said, to whoever they want. Then we have the other side of this, um, which is the vaccine credential. So we're, we're partnered with different organizations, um, IBM, Accenture, common project. All of these are credential issuing organizations. 
So what we've done, again, maybe taking a page out of our clearinghouse experiences, again, try to remain as agnostic as possible, but be those pipes of information uh, so that regardless of who your issuer is, whether it's Excelsior in New York that's sponsored by IBM or you're traveling to Hawaii and you're having to engage the common pass, right, which is what Hawaii uses, um, or, uh, you know, any other organization, we we look to we've integrated with them and taken the ability to take an image of your vaccination card instead of carrying it around and convert that to a digital credential like a QR code. Right. So or in some cases, a barcode. We've had some organization come to us and say, we're not fancy. We're not crazy about QR codes. Could you do bar? Bar's fine. So really being as flexible um, to the use case or to the scanning entity, if you will, as possible, uh, so that we're delivering data. And it's not we 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 know it's such a polarizing term, you know, vaccination passport. And depending on what state you live in, you may have a governor who is with it, or one that's against it, or one that's against it until he leaves town and the lieutenant governor becomes with it. So. So all of these different types of situations that we run into, um, what we have also understood is, you know, what might be required at the state or federal level, um, there are different requirements now at the employer level, right? We have employer groups that are looking to manage, not necessarily impose, but at least uh, create a process that allows their employees to to create a digital record and not have to carry or worry about drop, losing a piece of paper or cardboard um, to engage in their in their workplace participation. Uh, and then you look at the dark side of what is happening out there with uh, very talented folks who have access to high level printers and and the ability to create, uh, you know, using PDF Illustrator and other types of technology, you know, falsifies or, or false or fake documents, right? So you've got this entire segment of of uh, of society uh, that wants to make life more interesting <laughs> by, you know, putting this type of, uh, you know, fake or, or questionable documentation out into the into the ether. So, you know, what what we've done is, you know, our part one of our process is to be able to ingest and convert. But the second part of our process is using AI to validate. And again, I say validate, not verify. Right. So there's, we make sure we draw a distinction, you know, in validation um, currently for our travel clients and our, our corporate uh, corporate international, national, international clients. We process close to, you know, between 25 and 30,000 of these vaccination cards a day. So what it's done uh, for the for our AI is actually given us an, a ton of data that we can compare reality to what it could be questionable, right? So I think the example we give is, you know, if, if Joseph Gonzalez, who is, has a vaccination card um, that was issued in North Carolina, um, says he had the Johnson and Johnson uh, vaccine or the Janssen vaccine, you know, lot one, two, three, ABC dot one. Um, if we've seen that lot before in North Carolina or a version or extract extracted that lot, we'll know that there's a high probability that card's real. But if he says that, 
his card was issued in California, and we know we've seen so many uh, instances of that lot being issued in North Carolina, then we may flag that card and seek additional verification, you know, whether it be manual or otherwise. So there's there's the level of a you know what AI has given us the ability to do is operate at that level, and it really saves the any organization that we work with the you know the time and resources needed to verify. I think verification uh, is challenging just because it's so disjointed. Um, you know, as Americans, we move around a lot. I've lived in five states in my 50 years. Uh, you know, all good times, but have had medical services done in each one. And so there could be a record of me doing something or getting a shot or an inoculation uh, at each, in each one of those locations. Unfortunately, the CDC doesn't centralize those records. So you have there's a record of me in California. There's a record of me in New York. There's a record of me in Illinois. There's a record of me in North Carolina of me having something done or receiving medication or an inoculation. That's great. In the COVID works uh, use case, there, there's only one particular record. But when you when you chew a verification, you can't verify one segment. You're verifying entire uh, inoculation records. So that is where I think a lot of the challenge comes from verification. Um, also, the data isn't uploaded and, and managed in real time. So those of us who grew up in HIPAA and building out the 270, 271 transaction, this is basically, you know, getting in a DeLorean and going back to 1996 and figuring out, you know, that yes, no uh, from back in the day. So. The, you know, the challenges around verification exist, you know, doesn't say they can't be solved, but it's very early on in being able to truly verify, you know, a vaccination record. Uh, so we are relying on AI and other uh, tools to validate based on the data that's out there. Very good. Very good. So you, you pointed out uh, one of the uh, uh, data challenges, the, that, that uh, dichotomy between validate uh, verify, but uh, any other da data challenges you're finding uh, that might have surprised you about uh, when you when you got into the into the vaccine? Uh, I, I I think really just that everything is so siloed. You know, we uh, the the ability to be able to you know we, I think we we've taken for granted HIPAA and the and how far this space has come on the administrative side. Uh, we've sort of taken that piece for granted that that exists in an entire uh, healthcare ecosystem, and that's just not the case, right? So, again, going back to dealing with, there are 52 registries in the United States. Each of them, that you know, a consumer may exist in at least one or two of them, right? And and our data has discovered that they probably exist in in three or more over a period of time. So, you know, what, we, what we've had to do is make sure that we reconcile, um, you know, the consumer with potentially, you know, what we've, and again, the, these are just separate use cases. Someone goes, oh, I got my shot in my, my first one in New York and I got my second one in mm -hmm. another state, in New Jersey, in Connecticut or wherever. So now you've got, especially in New York City, three states that a consumer may have one or two inoculations in, um, and none of those uh, registries talk to each other. So, you know, we, we are 
you know, reconciling consumers in our database uh, for those who can identify where they've been uh, for those uh, shots. And then we're very fortunate to partner with organizations like CVS and Albertsons who have who, who've been able to work with us and identify, you know, using BCI standard, um, you know, those those consumers who've gotten both inoculations. So if we do get into a verification uh, again, everything that we do is is authorized by the consumer. So, you know, if it's an employer, we get all the authorizations to be able to dive into these databases and discover uh, who's out there. But no one is uh, is cowboying this at all. We're extremely aware of the sensitivity of it um, and and cautious uh, to make sure that that the consumer is providing all the proper consents for use for these use cases. And then, of course, we have, uh, you know, a very fluid state of, you know, counties like Los Angeles that yesterday announced that um, anybody over 12 is going to require a vaccinate proof of vaccination to enter a restaurant or a bar. And when I heard that, I go, a 12-year-old into a bar? Okay. But, uh, <laughs> but um, you know, uh, validation uh, to enter, you know, an establishment, you know, for that, you know, generic establishment for that matter, for 12 and over, or proof of a test. So now we're getting into that uh, very detailed use case of how do we traffic, again, empower consumers to be able to get tested, depending on what their situation is, or be able to create a credential um, and use it much like you had to when you were in Europe. Right, right. Very good. Well, you know, two takeaways I take from that. First, uh, it's very, it's very, uh, for those of us on the administrative simplification side, it's very exciting to hear that we're actually further along than perhaps the clinical side in terms of things going across and using the same standard across uh, all the country. Uh, the second part, um, is and you know this is the whole point of interoperability, but it, it, it was very surprising um, for a consumer where we fill out all these forms whenever we take a test or wherever we go in the hospital, and the the, the doctors and the and the administration types for hours everything that we we've, we've just said, um, but none of that can be brought together to actually give a picture nationwide about what's going on. That's, that's always a surprise. No, and I, I think that, you know, it's, it's getting, it's definitely getting better. You know, there was legislation passed during the last administration that really allows the portability of your clinical records, your hospital records to come back to the consumer. Um, I think there have always been challenges regarding of who the vendor was, whether it was Cerner or Epic or whoever, right, where those records rely. I mean, they're great in their own you know, ecosystems, the Epic folks have done a tremendous job in making records available in all the hospitals that they're placed. So if you go from one Epic hospital to another Epic hospital, those that record can just fire along and be pushed and awesome, right? But if you are going from Epic to Cerner or, you know, to ECW or whoever, you know, that's where the challenges are. And, and you know, we are a very siloed group, uh, disparate group on the clinical side, but it is getting progressively better. And, and I think that really has to do a lot with the legislation that's come to pass in the last couple of years that have really empowered the consumer to take control of their record. So there's nothing more frustrating, I think, as a consumer, and it kind of makes you decide where you go. Uh, and where you take your business, if 
They're giving you a hard right. time with getting your record. But if you go to this other place and it's easy, guess where I keep going? I mean, that's consumer behavior 101. So, you know, uh, all of that translates to over a better experience downstream as this evolves. Yeah, absolutely. Terrific. Um, so um, on that at that point, uh, where are things going to evolve? What do you, what do you think um in your space or the broader healthcare, uh, where is uh, the United States going to be in five, 10 years? Uh, you know, uh, as we watch these dominoes fall um, and now we have the, the consumer due to COVID has really become a, a real stakeholder in the process. Uh, I think it's a lot of what we're seeing now um, is going to really be consumer driven, right? So now that we've got this new stakeholder who has all the power, let's be honest, they they will have control. They're, the portability, that P and HIPAA that we've all been focused on, I think that portability component is really going to come to the forefront. Um, and the consumer is going to have options, not only from a, a data control perspective, but you know these new transparency rules they're going to be tied in. They will be, you know, and, and technology at the mobile level is just evolving, you know, every, you know, monthly <laughs> or daily for that matter. You know, uh, depending on who you use, whether it's Apple or Google, they, they all have opinions of, of, you know, which flavor of chocolate tastes better. But um, the, the, the conceptually, I think the consumer really does take control of this. And as we have these new rules of, of, you know, that are built around accessibility to public spaces, you know, and how that data is taken in and used by them, you know, showing a QR code to get into a place, whether it's getting on a plane, as we do every day, uh, I, I, I kind of chuckle when folks go, I don't want to use anything to get on a plane or get it. And I go, you used one to get into a stadium <laughs> on Sunday. You used it to get into get to board your flight yesterday. Oh, but that's different. But it isn't. <laughs> you know, we're, we do it 100 times a day. And I think that's where the value is lost or where um, a lot of uh, folks get concerned that um, yeah, I've heard everything about QR codes that from they're extremely efficient to they look like the sign of the devil. It's been <laughs> there. There are <laughs> folks out there that have opinions. And I live in the southeast and you hear a lot of those opinions here. And but, uh, you know, I think I, 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 I survive a happy medium because I grew up in the northeast. So I'm, I'm I think like most Americans are, you know, in the middle, leaning slightly to one side or the other, but not extreme. And, and that's where most of us lie. Um, so I think, you know, watching, you know, the the conversion from one administration to another, the correcting, in some cases, overcorrecting based on uh, things that are happening in the short term, uh, we're going to experience, um, I, I think we're still going to deal with somewhat of an overcorrection uh, based on uh, on what this current administration is doing. And I don't think it's a bad thing. I think some needed to be done. Uh, but certainly, we, as we do as a people, we go one way, we go another, and we always end up in the middle, right? Some type of happy medium where the consumer becomes comfortable with sharing their data. There are, are some that are already, um, you know, whether it's QR code, uh, I, I was able to go to a, a concert the other day and the Amazon people were there and I had to give them my palm print uh, as a way to get 
you know, this is me. I, I'm a technology guy, and it was a long queue. Uh, and Amazon said, if you give us your palm print, you'll get to the front of the line. So you know what? They've got everything <laughs> else for me. I wanted to get off the line, so I gave my palm print. <laughs> wow. Well, I never so heard of the are, palm print. That's great. Yeah, these are, these are all things, you know, be, uh, you know, QR codes and passports. We There's a, a whole data plethora of data that people don't recognize they're giving up on a daily basis. And I believe that this is the part that they're over exaggerating, you know, my opinion for what it's worth um, as far as, you know, data supply, the, the most important part for any organization that someone deals with, whether it's ours or another is to make sure that the consents and the authorizations are right. You know, know what you're sharing, when you're sharing it and how long you're sharing it for. The great thing about HIPAA authorizations is that you can actually have an expiration date. So, you know, whatever you share is not in perpetuity. So when you do share it, make sure that you identify, hey, how long do you get? Is it a year? Is it six months? Is it five days? These are the things that I think any organization, whether it's an airline, whether it's an employer, whether it's a live event provider, uh, you know, or a country with destination rules, know what you're sharing and how long you're sharing it for. And I think uh, in that space, uh, that will return comfort back to uh, the consumer in terms of what a vaccine passport is or isn't. Right, right. Terrific. Well, well thank you, Joseph. So. Uh, uh, before we leave, any uh, resources you'd like to point the listeners to or even any closing words? Uh, I mean, from a resource perspective, there there's just so much out there. You know, the, we leverage established practices. You know, certainly the federal government, the CDC has been tremendous um, on that uh, as far as the amount of data that they're putting out. Uh, you know, any, any organization should also verify if they're interested in testing or, uh, you know, for for the workplace. Uh, make sure the EUAs that exist for the tests are proper. You know, we have some organizations that are selling tests that are for symptomatic only and then others that are for symptomatic and asymptomatic. So make sure that the tests that you provide and the process that you are looking to engage in that from a credentialing perspective, all your bases are covered. So those are, that's, that's the thing that we run into the most as a, a provider of testing services. We're not the lab, but we, we make sure from a compliance perspective, and, and it's all about compliance that, that the te- whether it's testing or vaccination records or HIPAA authorizations, that everything is out there that can be uh, you know verified that, that from a documentation perspective uh, that and so that your organization is protected because ultimately that's it's, it comes down to risk and compliance. Anything we do in the healthcare space. Uh, good suggestions, Joseph. Thank you very much. Um, this has been a great discussion with. Uh, Joseph Gonzalez, co-founder of CLX Health. Josie, Joseph, very, very happy to have you on our show. Uh, it's been a pleasure and uh, I'm happy to come back if anyone has any questions and we can, we can, we can do this again. <laughs> Perfect. Let's do it again. That sounds great. This has been the Collective Voice of Health IT, a weedy podcast where the health information technology community connects, collaborates and creates solutions for a better health system. Find this episode and many more on our website, weedy.org. Thank you all for joining us and be safe.